There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. I am so grateful that you guys tune in every single week to this podcast. This show is sponsored by Women in Influencer Marketing, the best community for the creator economy. Meet fellow influencer marketers, brands, and talent managers to talk shop, get hired, and even find a mentor. We also have dozens of masterclasses from the top voices at TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, award-winning agencies, and women who are paving the way for us all. If you want the chance to dive into the community and network with a who's who in influencer marketing, check out what it takes to join the membership collective. Just visit imwim.com slash join today and I'll see you there. Hi everyone and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. All right. So this week, we have such a great guest for you guys. We have Miss Shanae Alexander, who's a former Texan turned fellow New Yorker. She's an entrepreneur, an online personality, a writer, a speaker, and a lifestyle expert based in Brooklyn, New York. Her message is all about empowering people to be better through positive thinking, active change, and self-love with a lot of laughing and curse words along the way. Shanae speaks to groups all over the country, is in the beginning stages of her first book, and has created your other favorite podcast, Press Send. There's so much that I've loved about the brand that she's curated for years. We met in person years ago, and when I was looking for influencers to invite onto the show, she was absolutely one of the first to come to mind. So when she said yes, I was thrilled. So before we jump into this week's episode... This is the week, y'all. It is the Best in Influencer Tech event. It's this Wednesday, March 23rd, starting at 12 p.m. Eastern. I know that you guys are struggling because you tell me you're struggling with how do I find influencers? How do I manage the chaos of each campaign? How do I pull the correct analytics and just do it in a more streamlined way because I'm burnt out, I'm tired, and there has to be better tools out there? Well, there absolutely are. There are incredible tools out there, and I hand-selected them to demo their products for you this Wednesday. So check out our website. It's imwim.com slash tech. That's T-E-C-H. Register for the event. It is completely free, not just for members, but also for guests. Plus, besides demoing their awesome and best new features, they're also offering the entire WIM community promotions. 
if you tune in on the day of the event. So check us out again. It's iamwim.com slash tech. I hope to see you there because it's going to be a really incredible event. All right, now let's get on to the episode. I am so stoked to welcome you to the show today. So first and foremost, welcome and how are you? Better now that I'm having human interaction today so far. This is a delight. This is a delight. Us New Yorkers, man, we can be some isolated people during this uh, during this pandemic. They don't joke. They don't mess around um, no, in New York. We really don't. And also, like when it's like 20 degrees outside, layered on. Ooh. It, I, I woke up and I, I did school drop off, and it was. It felt like seven. Hmm. Um, I was like, this is, uh, I don't know. I'm from Miami originally. So my family makes fun of me because I wear flip-flops in the middle of the winter because I'm in like major <laughs> denial. Where are you from originally? I'm from Texas. So I get it. I get it. Okay. I just purchased my um, first pair of Uggs, something I said I would never do. I purchased my first pair of Uggs this year and then rapidly bought two more pairs because my feet are finally not small little icicles. And I recently went through a breakup. So I have no one to stick my feet under their legs when I sleep currently working on that. So the Uggs were a necessary purchase. <laughs> Absolutely. And dating in New York fan, woof, it is a thing. It is, a, thing. It is quite I'm thing. having so much fun though. I, I can honestly say I'm having a great time. Then you're, then you're doing it right. Because that is absolutely the right way to do it. You, you feel like uh, you're like one of the women from Sex in the City. You get like wind and dine. Like you could explore new places in, the, in you know, Brooklyn, Manhattan, wherever. So right. I'm glad you're enjoying it. You're doing like, it right. Maybe like a little bit more therapy and a little bit more table, you know? <laughs> I mean, therapy is like literally the best gift that you, gift that you can give yourself. So exactly. I, I, um, yeah, I am all for it. Look, today... We are going to, we're going to really dive into it. I'm so excited to have you on for like a variety of reasons. I've been such a genuine fan for years now. Um, like you are my type of influencer <laughs> and like everything. That, you, that is a huge compliment. I, I mean it. And I a hundred percent mean it. Like, I wish that there were more influencers like you and everyone has like a different preference of like what, what gets them to like check back in and and check out their content over and over. And you have so many different platforms. I mean, you are a fellow podcaster as well. Obviously, you're on all the social networks and the social platforms. But I, I love that you're candid. I love that you're honest and real. And like, to me, that's inspirational. Like, to me, that is from a personal perspective, somebody that like, I want to continue to follow and, and, and engage with. And then if I put on my professional hat, it's someone that I can see so many opportunities with in terms of like business growth and opportunities with brands, your own brand, et cetera. So I am so excited to dive into it today. Um, and Literally, my head is barely fitting in the screen at this point because you've blown so much beauty into my world right now that like, I actually am not going to be able to um, fit through my door after this podcast interview. So I appreciate that. We all need a little encouragement and I'm so happy to be here. Amazing. I, I will keep, I'll, you, be prepared, get prepared because it might keep coming. So I want to hear from you to just like level set. 
tell everybody about, about your career path and the through line to how you ended up where you are today. Oh my gosh. I always ask people or people always ask me, how did you become an influencer? And I'm like, it was totally accidental. This is not something that I ever desired to be. I actually didn't really follow many like bloggers, influencers before I actually became um, part of this world. And so what actually happened, it was hilarious. I got kind of fired from my job in marketing. I was a marketing director for eight years. So anyone that's listening, that's, you know, marketing, PR, influencer work, I was there. I was on the brand side um, in-house and my boss kindly fired me. And he said, you need to start a business I, you have nowhere else to go here because I was like his number two. And so basically I went into the deep, dark uh, place where I was like crying in a Manhattan diner, which is where all good um, revelations happen. And I actually wanted to start an event planning business because I really, truly loved people. That was my passion through my marketing work. And so I started an event planning company and Right before that, I had done a practice interview with a fitness wellness company to be a social media manager, just because my friend Abby said I she thought I'd be good at it. So I had done this interview. Of course, they said I had no experience, but I had started an Instagram account with the with the terrible AOL type screen name, Get Fit Brooklyn. And it was a fitness wellness Instagram account. And I started it just to show this potential interviewee or interviewer that I had some sort of interest in the space, which I, I did personally, but I hadn't put that on social media. Well, of course the interview went horribly. She was like, you have no experience. You have 300 followers. So I didn't obviously get the job, but I continued with my event planning business, but I kept going on the social media thing, not because I was trying to get to a certain point with social media, but because I genuinely love the community I was creating online. I was like, this is an amazing thing. I'm talking to like 300 strangers from around the world about something we have a mutual interest in. And I found that fascinating. I had never met friends that way. I have a big community of friends in New York, but you know, I think when your lives start changing, you're always in the market for people that you have something in common with like a new interest. And so that just kept growing. And then two years later, I had reached a point doing like branded deals where I was making as much money on social media as I was in event planning. And I was not sleeping because of just how much work there was in both careers. And so I stopped taking planning clients and I focused on social media um, for my full-time job. And now I have a team of seven that works with me both on the podcast side and the brand side. Um, And I have an assistant that works for me in-house and it has been the best gift of a job because that dream of people and wanting to work with people is still the through line. So just like it was in marketing, just like it was in event planning, my passion is people. And I get to make that like the central part of what I do. And so people are like, wow, what a jump. And I'm like, it doesn't feel like a jump for me because it's just an extension of working with people. I, I love that. And that's, this is the thing. I, I There's always a through line and everybody's path to influencer marketing, being an influencer, like I have yet to find really like two people who've had the same path. And I, I think that it can be really beneficial for um, people in the space, women in particular, to just know that like 
you're going to figure it out. You're going to figure your own path out, your own journey, and simultaneously be able to utilize all those skills that you learn along the way, whether or not you feel like it's directly related or, or not, right? I would love to chat a little bit about the creator economy and just like how it relates to your business, like your bottom line. What are some of your like fundamental beliefs about monetizing influence and just like the best ways to navigate a career, a long-term career, ideally as a, as an influencer. So I think one of the worst mistakes people can go to when they're kind of like entering the space as an influencer, I know that's probably not the like people that are listening in the majority, but is they want to go into the career to make money. And that might be in any career. Because I think when money um, is over creativity or having something to actually say, that's when content isn't actually sustainable. So for me, having a message and having things to say in my organic non-branded content is the most important thing. And then the financial part is secondary. Second is when choosing brand deals, it's like, how does this align back I always kind of, it's like if you were manifesting um, a relationship, right? And and if you're manifesting the perfect partner for you, and I mean in a love way, you would make this list of all these things like that you want. And that's your like through line. So I do the same thing with like influencer work. So what are the things that are non-negotiable that I want people to come to my platform and experience? And then when monetizing, it's like, how do these monetization opportunities, how can I First of all, does it connect back or is it in opposition of those things? So when I'm talking about body imager or things like that, like I would never sell something that is like a weight loss product or like a skinny tea or anything like that. Also, secondarily, is this a product that I use, would recommend and that I trust? Because at the end of the day, this whole creator economy is based on trust between you and the audience. And of course, you and the brands, but but your primary focus is the trust with the audience, kind of like the trust in a romantic relationship. And so for me, the second I break that trust is when kind of that breaks down and there is no long-term relationship there. And so I, I give a lot of advice on my podcast and on my platform about relationships. And I kind of see there's so many parallels in how I work versus what I kind of give advice on with romantic relationships. And I think the last part is kind of thinking and learning along the way of how you want to work with brands. The way I worked with brands when I first got started versus the confidence I've been able to cultivate with brands now is vastly different. So I think um, learning from each, each experience and learning about like how you best work, kind of getting getting through the noise of like a deck and being like, how can I tell my story through this partnership? Yeah, no, I I, I love that because what I'm hearing is, you know, just like uh, every financial or business decision is not, the focus has to go back to exactly what you said is, is it supporting what I'm doing from a big picture, from a, a larger perspective, or is it an opposition to it? And knowing that like the, the, 
the goal, the overarching goal is absolutely about like maintaining and hopefully even building that trust, that community, that, you know, all of the things, because everything else, if you don't have a good foundation, it's just all going to crumble. Um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, even in, in my own business, you know, and I, I like to talk about on the show, just sure, we're going to talk about things, creator, creator economy, influencers, whatever, but like also, you know, we're a women's focused organization. And so I think that just to be successful in business as a woman, we need to educate ourselves on like financial freedom and ways to expand your business, um, whether you're on the creative side or the business side or whatever side. I've heard influencers over time say things like, you know, I... I just started because I wanted to have fun on the internet. I wanted to make friends. I wanted to just, I, I never intended for this to be what it became. And I'm going to be super transparent. I was like, like, really? <laughs> like, really? <laughs> not? And like, could you have, but like, where could you have been if you did think about the possibilities financially and as a business person and really like drill into that and infuse that in it? However, <laughs> What I've learned along my own path is that as an entrepreneur, when I am bogged down with like the pressure of all things finances and like growth and, you know, all of those things, it absolutely dampers my creativity. In this industry and in many others, like your creativity and your ideas are what will actually grow the business and the money does flow from that. So I have come to my own realizations and, and now understand more clearly what you just described. So can I say one more thing? Oh my gosh, of course. Yes, go for okay. it. So what I don't want people to, so I think, I think the creativity and also the kind of like how you're, financial decisions linked back to your purpose is really important. The one thing I will say is the the best way that I've been able to make money is to say no. It, that is overarchingly the best way I have been able to stay in this industry since 2015, making this my primary source of income, making six figures a year is by saying no. There's a lot of power in no. Oh my gosh, go on. There's so much power in that. So for me, no's come with opportunities where um, I don't feel like I'm valued as a creator by a brand. So they aren't able to meet my rates or they don't, um, they want me to prove my value over time, which I, I, I've already done that. I've already created over 3000 pieces of content for you to look at. Like we don't need to like reprove ourselves in that way. And I think a lot of women second guess themselves, particularly in the creator industry, but also being priced low, things like that. It's, I, I understand from the brand side because I used to work on the brand side why that is. But I think it's important for creators and, and marketers to understand that you have to hold in your own power to say, no, that doesn't actually fit or align with my financial goals, which I've done a lot. But then also, like I said, saying no to partnerships that may not be a good fit it's, it's really important to get out of the scarcity mindset of if I say no, then I can't, I won't get something else. What has been proven to me over and over and over in this industry is every time I've said no to something that didn't feel right, something else better was around the corner that I was able to say yes for. And it kept that 
through line of trust with my audience, which is my number one most important thing. Every, every time I, I've experienced the same thing. So, you know, look at, tell me like when you, like, did you always feel that way? Were you ever like towards the beginning as you were growing, did you always have this confidence or, or, or did this come over time? Did this grow over time? Okay. I'm going to tell you a story about my first partnership. My first real paid partnership, I actually got through a friend and she was working for a really big company um, that works in the electronic space. And I remember um, I was I remember exactly where I was. I was on the corner of Fourth Avenue and Pacific Street in Brooklyn, and I was about to go down the subway and she calls me and she says, um, this tech company wants to hire you for sponsored Instagram posts. And I had done some like little affiliate things, but nothing like really of substance. And I was, and I had literally probably 10,000 followers at the time. So like now, you know, obviously like micro creators are doing more and more work and, and, but at the time with 10,000 followers, you really weren't getting paid. You were getting paid in products. And she's like, they'd like to hire you for two Instagram posts. And I remember her saying, because we were talking very candidly because she was a friend and she's like, well, their budget is like 2000 for the two posts. And I remember thinking in my mind, what someone is going to pay me this much money to represent a product that I would already use. This is crazy. And I said, how about three? And on that phone call, she was like, done. She was like, I don't even need a check. I got approved for that much. And I was like, shit, I could have asked for more, but the whole, the whole teaching moment there, first of all, I didn't get paid that much again for a very long time, but the the teaching moment was to always like ask for more and also step into your power as a creator and say, actually, like I'm, I'm going to test the boundary of this, not because I'm trying to, you know, grab the money, but it's like, Believing in yourself, believing in the content you create and believing in the potential over time is so important. I it, absolutely. Uh, here's the, here's a question for you. You're preaching to the choir, right? Like, uh, I, I believe in you and I, I agree with you and I'm proud of you for having that mindset and sharing it. What would you say to those listening, perhaps, or they're maybe on the brand side and they're like, you know you're overcharging or, you know, you need to work, like we're paying your paycheck, you know? And like, what would you say to those, to those people um, in response to any like criticism? I would say, um, yeah, you are paying my paycheck. And what I always tell brands when, or, or people who question how much creators charge, I always tell them you're not paying for the time it took me to take photos you're not paying me for the time it took to make the caption. You're not paying me for the time it took me to record like this minute long version of the stories. You are paying for the 350 messages I answer every day that have nothing to do with your brand. You are paying me for the 3000 pieces of content I've written and created for no money. You are paying me for all the time and thought and energy that it, and time it took to build a platform. You are paying the rent on a mortgage, you are not paying for a daily rental. And understanding that and understanding how difficult it is to build trust with an audience. My, my thing is go buy a billboard. 
go buy a billboard then. Like if you want an advocate and you want a personal voice and you want someone that actually is in relationship with an audience that took them a very long time to do, then hire an influencer. So let's dive into some of your like more successful partnerships because like they really truly are partnerships. Like they're not really, you know, it's not really a campaign. The ones that are successful, at least I believe are like true partnerships at the end of the day. Um, And you've worked with a variety of different brands from like even recent ones, like Madewell to like a sex toy company. I loved that one, by the way. Thank you. So you've worked with so many brands throughout your career. I would love for you to just chat with us about like your most successful partnership and like take a beat if you want to think about what that was. Name names or not, that's okay. But like most importantly, what made it particularly successful in your eyes? Yeah. So I mean, the the very obvious one that comes to mind is my partnership with Adidas. I've been with them since I think I'm like year five on contract with Adidas. I've been with the brand for so long, but I will say from the very moment I started working with Adidas, our relationship and the partnership style has not changed, which is saying a lot considering I've been with the brand for half a decade on yearly partnerships with them since I've never had even a break of time. Um, I do work with them exclusively on kind of sportswear and athletic wear in the fitness space. And the reasons why it's been so successful is number one, they fully allow me freedom to use my voice. They might have strategy and I understand a deck and I understand um, kind of storytelling through a brand's eyes, but they've largely let me be a creator. So that's number one. Number two, their expectations of me allow a lot, a lot more than just me posting on my channel. It also involves a responsibility on their part. And this is where I think a lot of brands miss is they want to blast their message through the creator's channel, but they do not take the creator and allow them to speak in their channel. And I think that's a huge mistake because it doesn't show synergy between the brand and the influencer. It doesn't allow people to get to know your face as a brand ambassador it also, what it does is it, it it weaves a better story. It weaves a better story. So when brands are like, for example, the sex toy company and just work with Dame, it's not only me creating content for my channel, it's me creating content for their channel, which I think, uh, I mean, it's just helpful overall for people to understand how that partnership works. But then you become an advocate, a true advocate for them. So now with Adidas, not only am I, you know, obviously showing up on my own channel, posting about, you know, latest launches and and different social campaigns we're working on, but then also I'm modeling in their shoots. I'm hosting IG lives for them. I host live events for them back when that was a thing that we did. I travel with the brand. I also help in co-creation with products. They really understand weaving the creator relationship into the business relationship. 
You know, it's interesting. So the last influencer that we happen to have on the show that works with Adidas and I heard the same thing from her. So it's pretty cool that like consistently across the board, it seems like they're doing something right and something different as well. Um, you know, if you could sum it up into just like one plea <laughs> for, you know, brand side people who are, are listening or watching today, you know, what would you say as, as like, please do this, it will help your work together with influencers? What I've learned is that audiences can sniff out talking points from brands and they do not engage. But if you can find a way to let a creator tell their story... I promise you, you will get people more invested in your products or your brand in general. And letting creators create is the thing that I have the most issue with. And you can literally, I'll, I'll show up to a, a Zoom or whatever, and they're like, this is the plan, and this is like the story, and this is this. And I'm like, oh, I actually have an idea of where how I could really create some like custom content using those those kind of like bullet points, but like telling it in my way. And sometimes brands are like, oh my gosh, we love this. But a lot of times brands are like, mm, we love that, but really we want to stick with this. And the thing is, is like, especially when you have multiple creators going live with a campaign, one of the biggest things that I hear back from my audience is why do brands just like slap the same kind of like marketing spin and then hire 10 creators to all go live on the same day with the same exact content. It's not fresh. People see through it and they don't engage. So allowing creators to do their job, allowing them to trust the creator. And this is why it's really important to vet the people that you work with. Like, are they actually storytelling? Are they actually good at their organic content? Like what kind of, not only engagement in the numbers, but what kind of engagement are people giving them on their organic content and then letting them infuse a lot more of that into your branded content. Letting them tell their story through the eyes of your brand is the best way to get people connected because they can tell a story better than you. And I know that's hard to hear. And as a marketing person, I find that hard to hear. But the thing is, this is a, not a billboard. This is a human being and they're a creator for a reason. Well, the thing is, is that like... First of all, I don't know. I've, I I am so glad that you're bringing this up. I have so many opinions about this as well, and like a lot of what you said, I've resonated with. Like a lot of the time, like ego gets in the way, or just like simply like trying to prove their value. I mean, if it's an agency, they're like, "This is what we're hired for." I don't want somebody to come in between me and my job, which I get on a human level, of course. But like, let's simplify it, right? Anything that you put out there in terms of like branding and marketing and advertising, you need to keep in mind who the audience is. And it's going to be different depending on who the audience is. So like cut your check your ego at the door because of course the influencer is going to be the best person to know what their audience is going to respond to and what their audience like wants to hear and get excited about and all that stuff. I, oh my God big pet peeve with those, like, especially the ones that are like, 
anything like financial or pharmaceutical or whatever, where you have like those terms and conditions that you would hear like sped up in some old ass commercial, but like written in a caption or like worse in a video. It's like atrocious. Like, of course I get the com compliance piece of it, but like, can we be more creative? Like there has to be a the way. Answer, the answer is no on those, which I've learned through working with pharmaceuticals and like in that space a little bit. And that's often why those brands have to pay more. Um, they have to pay more because your creativity is limited. Legally, you can't say certain things. But I think what they're looking for is they're looking for that audience trust versus like creativity, which I get. But though that's where those partnerships are so much harder for creators. And they have to be really, really clear about vetting who they're working with. One thing I will say is um, with with if I was an agency, if I was, you know, an agency manager, or if I was working on a project where I think really where agencies could provide more value to their, their brands is this saying, not saying, Hey, we're going to come up with this really cool deck that we're going to present to you. And then we're going to go find influencers that will just spit out these terms. What I think would be such a more impressive and cool and actually proving agency value is this is if they said, okay, what's to the brand? What's the campaign? Okay, you're launching, let's say, a new moisturizer or something like that. Okay, we're actually going to go out and pool and, and interview a bunch of influencers we think, you know, from experience that we think would be great for this campaign. And we're actually going to have them pitch back to you ideas. So the influencers actually have to kind of pitch back ideas. Number one, that's a great way to vet if you're working with influencers who are worth, you know, their value. But secondly, the agency doing all that work of, of actually having all these really important conversations with creators and then coming back with, hey, these are the five creators we're pitching to work on this project. And here are these like little micro marketing plans for each one. And this is how they're going to actually be able to talk about this more important idea in a really specific way. Like if I was a brand and you came back to me with like, like this very curated approach for each of these creators and you did all this legwork, that to me is so much more impressive than saying, okay, we're just going to go find people to slap this messaging on. And that, that provides value that the brand really can't do because they don't have the expertise or the time or probably the desire to go and do all of that legwork. But that's how I feel like in the creator economy, that is how the middleman can provide a ton of value to the brands and become irreplaceable. <laughs> I love that. It's a very unique take on a very unique perspective, but like, I, I think agency folks would appreciate that because they're still in, they're still valley, incredibly valuable in that equation. They're still necessary. It's just like proving their value in a different way. And just just being creative, like being creative, being innovative. That's the word I'm looking for. You don't see that enough. You don't see that enough. And also, aren't you all fucking tired of doing just emails? Like, it's like, I understand because I've worked on that end of it is the agencies I work with are probably the most important, best relationships I have, because not only are they um, working with one brand, but often, very often, we work with the same agencies and the same contacts of those agencies on a variety of projects. But the thing is, is and this is 
what I know from most of my agency friends, sometimes that passing back and forth from brand to influencer is a really thankless process. And a lot of these people that get into this type of work could, because I know them so well, they're creative people. You know, they got into marketing and this work because not only are they creative, but they are good communicators. But I know that a lot of these these people in this position sometimes feel like a cog in the machine of kind of just like this middleman. And I would love to see more agency people really harness their creativity to really co-collaborate with the influencers that they work with, because I know they want to, you know, I know that that's like a desire. And also like it infuses more kind of creativity and more of a bespoke quality to their work. And it's not because I know they don't want to it. I know it's just how the industry's formed over time. And I, and I know, like, I don't know, I'm thinking about this, like, this is, these are great ideas. And these are like very ideal scenarios. I think the people who are best positioned to actually implement these are your, you know, smaller boutique agencies. And it's tricky, right? Because they don't necessarily have the clients um, or the resources yet. Um, but some of the larger ones, there's just like, there's so much corporate tape and there's so much like bureaucracy that it could be really difficult to move innovative ideas through. So yes, ideally for sure. I, we've been talking a lot about like the brand side and the agency side. I would love to talk about managers. We have a huge community of talent managers in our organization, arguably like the most engaged members of our community are talent managers from, you know, the large management agencies to small solopreneurs who are representing a few influencers. I want to hear from you as somebody who has, you know, had management for years. What do you wish managers did better to, to facilitate the relationships with their influencers? I have, I, I, I will tell you that getting management was one of the hardest decisions I made. I self-managed for a long time, but it was the best decision I ever made. And it's not because I think all management is good. It is because of the integrity and the advocacy that my management and my team has put out there for me personally. I think that, I mean, talk about sometimes a thankless job. Um, Like not only are you maybe dealing with like a difficult brand or difficult agency, but you also might be dealing with a difficult client. I, one thing I really, I really wish more managers would do. This is not really the case with my team um, because they really, my team really trusts me. They really trust my decision-making and they really trust my um, intuition on projects. And so, you know, in a year I've turned down over a hundred thousand dollars worth of projects um, and they're okay with that and they understand. But I think really um, like working with the right people and having clients you are proud of and that you give a lot of freedom to to say no that really have a strong voice and who are not shy away from um, not taking work um, is important. And I wish I saw that more. But I also know like a lot of people that are peers of mine that have had trouble with management. So I really, I I think it all really depends on like, kind of like the person um, 
there are people that have not liked their management at the agency that I'm a part of. So I think it also is a personality fit and knowing when to move on from that personality fit um, is probably pretty important. It is. I, I will say as like a former manager myself, like, and having worked with different type of talents, I used to represent actors. Like I've always said this and this is for all influences out there. It is so much more about the manager or the person or, and their assistant um, that you're working with than the company name, you know, because for so many different reasons, but yes, to your point, like this could be your biggest advocate, like your biggest champion, the person who is your first line of defense and your the 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 extension of your voice um, in most instances in your business. So you need to they need to be able to like present themselves in a way that you are proud to have that person represent you. I, I I'm in relationship with a lot of um, brands and know the brand managers or like in-house people pretty well. Um, I've become friends with them. And I think often I have more kind of in common with um, people that work on the brand side than with other influencers. Not that I don't love influencers, but I have a ton of brand side friends. And every single brand side friend I've ever had has come around to the backside and told me how pleasant and how responsive, but mostly how kind my team is. And I think you, I think some people think they want like a bulldog and, you know, you do want someone that will stand up for you that will push back when they need to. But I do think really going down to like, is this a person I would want to get lunch with? Is this a person that's an extension of me? Like my brand is all about kind of like building confidence in women and, and being kind and being kind of like empathetic and having good mental health. Would I want someone representing me that didn't embody those things? No, because I do know that they, they are the face that gets seen more than me, you know? And I've, I've talked to a lot of my brand friends who have said they literally stopped working with certain influencers. They loved the creator, but they couldn't stand the manager. And that is enough reason not to work with them. And so kind of like the qualities in that person personally are so important to me. The number one reason I gave my manager a chance is I said, we were interviewing each other and I said, what did you do before this? And she said, she worked, you know, at, um, kind of like in the same industry. And then I said, well, what did you do before that? And she said, she was like, I was an elementary school teacher. And I was like, that's why I'm hiring you. Mm -hmm. I love that. Because I know there's something inside of you that is driven more by human beings than like an industry that can be um, really cutthroat and really kind of kind of really based on what you can get, you know, and I, and I, as much as you want a salesperson, as much as you want someone that um, is really good at closing deals, I want those deals to be closed by someone who reflects the values that I hold. I love that. I think that's really, that's really powerful. Um, And it's really just as, as a, as an influencer or creator, having the self-awareness to know what 
really will do it for you in terms of like who you want on your team. Um, you know, influencers are entrepreneurs, influencers are business owners. Um, and the second you start treating what you're building as such, um, it will just unlock so many different things. And to your point, like you are building a team. Um, this is a very integral, like it's a very important team member um, to add. And so, you know, your spirit and what you want to create as a company, of course, needs to be reflected in your team. So I love that you've been able to like identify that for yourself. I would love to know, you know, you probably have a really good sense of what your audience responds really well to. Do those preferences always align to what you want to produce and like what you decide to share? Yes, because the thing that I've nailed down is that they want the truth. They want the truth. Like my audience might also be unique in that I don't have a niche of like, and I know that breaks every rule of like influencer 101. Everyone's like niche down, niche down. I went the opposite direction. I talk about everything from mental health to sex, to body image, to skincare, to shoes, to like what, happened during my egg freezing process to my latest boyfriend, whatever it is. So I have not niched down, but the, the through line for me has been people just want the bare truth. They want vulnerability. They want, they want a no bullshit approach to life. And so I think for me, that's why I feel comfortable sharing anything because I know what they're there for is just kind of an unfiltered response. And that's anytime it hasn't been that or anytime I've tried to follow a more of a typical influencer model, like, let me be a little bit more like, let me make my stories look a different way. Or like, let me try to like make my feed look like professional. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for me because people don't care about that. Like people want to read my real words. They don't care if it's a picture that I took as a selfie in my bathroom mirror. They do not care. They do not care because my audience is there to hear off the cuff information from me. They want to know about my life, whether it's a breakup, what I think of a skincare product, whether it's that I'm struggling with body image or whether it's, you know, what's in my coffee cup. They don't care but what they want is what is true and and kind of like comes naturally. And any time I've forced it is the times when that just doesn't work. And that's not to say that all influencers, like there are certain people that I know a lot of people that work in the food space um, as creators and they are like, people hate it when I show my face. People hate it when I talk about anything other than cooking or food or restaurants. I don't have that problem which is maybe a good or bad thing because, you know, the flow, the flow of what I can talk about is all over the place, but it is a benefit because um, really people are just there to experience life with me and know that I'm there to do that the same with them. And, and that's awesome. I, you know, I've heard similar things from people in the food space. It does depend on like the space that you're in, you know, the, how you built your business definitely has different struggles. Absolutely. No influencers are created equal by any means. Um, I'd love to hear from you, like, what's some of the 
best professional advice you've you've ever been given? And I'd like to know if you took that advice. <laughs> well, the best advice I ever was given, I, I emailed all of my entrepreneur friends when I started my own event planning company and was doing Instagram and all that. And I, I, the first day I was an entrepreneur, I emailed all of my entrepreneur friends and I said, what advice do you have for me? What, what do you wish you would have known? And pretty much everyone said, um, get a good accountant and get a lawyer. <laughs> and I did that. And I will, I can tell you that getting, um, a spe specifically an accountant was like, teaching myself financial literacy with the help of others has been the most important thing um, because it actually, it helped me grow a business and make goals for myself and actually treat myself like a professional, which I think a lot of people, particularly women, maybe sometimes um, we haven't, we haven't been given those tools. So I learned how to save, I learned how to get an emergency fund of a whole year of earnings or like know, a smaller percentage of my earnings, but, but put that away. It's given me financial security during the pandemic. I didn't work for six months. I mean, I worked for free for six months and because, you know, there was a pause on most campaigns. Um, and having that in my tool belt of feeling financially free, but also literate was the best professional advice I ever got because it allows me to not feel fear in what jobs I take. It helps me not feel fear in saying no, but it also gives me the confidence to move forward in my work and my life and have employees. Like for, for example, my assistant, I, I wanted to save an entire year's salary for an assistant before I hired one, because I wanted to make sure that I was being a responsible business person and growing my team in a way that was sustainable and, and just the financial security piece has been, um, has been so important. Like everybody wants to like make a cool email signature and like make cute graphics and all of that. But truly the most important thing is making sure that you have the knowledge of how to actually run a business. I mean, a thousand percent. And um, that is, that's really the marker of like a real entrepreneur, right? And, and, and somebody who like really thrives off of that, like continuous growth to like educate yourself, to enrich yourself and to grow a company. Like that is really the marker of a real entrepreneur. And not everybody thrives in that sort of pressure cooker of an environment. Um, I will say, I will say, if you don't have that gift, because not everyone does, not everyone has the gift of organization, not everyone has the gift of of saving, not everyone has the gift of of even being able to wrap their minds around kind of like the finances of their business. Like one of the biggest kind of learnings I've had with this job and with this career is you're allowed to bring people onto your team that work alongside you that can do things better than you. And as like a recovering, like perfectionist and as a recovering, like Virgo, I can do it all. You don't have to, you don't have to, you can bring people along that are smarter than you in certain areas. And that can actually guide you. And that is your superpower is being able to delegate out those things and not having to feel like, 
I'm an entrepreneur, so I have to do everything myself. You don't. You don't. And I think that's a fallacy that we get fed so often is that I own my own business, so it is all my responsibility. And that's simply not true. And there are very few people, their giftings are across the board, you know, and I brought on people that were smarter than me, had a better handle on things. And I asked for help. I'm not afraid to say, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with my taxes. Can you please help me? Or how the hell do I save an emergency fund? Like what? And even my assistant who is really good with technology, like nine times a week, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me do this? Can you help me learn this? Or can you just do this and and know that this is not my strong suit? And I think some people are so afraid that it's a blow to your ego that you can't do it all or that you should be able to do it all, that they, they fear bringing alongside people in the process because maybe they'll get judged for it. Maybe, you know, that person will say, how the hell are you running your own business? You don't even know how to do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, no, there's no shame in outsourcing that shit. No, I mean, not at all. Because like, I don't know, there are so many misnomers about having a business. And like, it's so easy to put there on like social media about, you know, all the pretty points, all the pretty things about it. And like the part that the parts that just make you look like you're a freaking superhuman, but the realities of it are very different. And I'm glad that you're talking about some of those realities. Cause like, those are the realities for most people. The other, like, you know, yeah, this is not an influencer thing. This, this is, is everyone, everyone thing. thing entirely. And like the people who are out there being like, you know, this is the glorification of it all. Like that's the tiniest little percent. And like, it's also easy to say that. And like, if you look deep into their business, you might actually be surprised at what you find. There might be like a lack of foundation. Right. I'd love to, I, I can't believe we're like at time. I, I, I've been so enjoying this conversation. I, again, like your head's about to explode again, get ready. I like, I just, I have so much respect for you as an influencer, a businesswoman. You were like, when I'm thinking of like key people that I really wanted to talk to, on this show, I was like, I would love to get her on. And so when you said yes, I was thrilled. Um, and you haven't disappointed. If anybody listening is not following you, like uh, obviously you're we'll drop your social links in you know the show notes and stuff. Like, please check her out because her work is like it's incredible, it really truly is. And in that vein, I want to hear from you like. What social media advancements are you most excited about in 2022? There's been like lots of updates, like Instagram just announced and TikTok, uh, like subscriptions and, you know, TikTok even right. in of itself, there's like, oh, so much opportunity there, like podcasting, like what are you most excited about for this coming up year? I think the thing I'm most excited about is all of these models, all the things that are kind of like growing are on the authenticity side of the actual humanity of social media. And I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited that um, the way social media is going is anti-curation and more um, on the fly curation. Obviously, like with TikTok, you see that a lot of what does really well is kind of like in that vine mentality of like not so curated, not so, so prepared. Obviously they're, you know, people that are amazing at transitions and all of that and crazy makeup and all of that. But 
But really, I love that all these things are bringing you closer into people versus like a little bit farther away. Even with the Instagram subscription model is hopefully you're getting to see a little bit more of someone. And I think for me, I know the subscription model will be more um, of an in-depth personal relationship. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited that, you know, the and hopefully this is where we're going is to kind of share a more authentic and that word's so overused, but more of a kind of a behind the scenes approach to life, um, something a little bit more real. And so I'm looking forward to like the psychology of that to see what happens. Um, I don't know that audiences are so excited about the subscription stuff, but me as a creator, it makes me be able to flex my creative muscle and say like, how can I use this to benefit, you know, my community? There are so many different ways to utilize all of those tools, all of those platforms. And I'm so looking forward to influencers like yourself who think outside the box and who are like, just like pumped to like do put your own spin on it. Like that is what is exciting about totally. being in this industry. It has been such a pleasure having you on today. I love just like your candidates. You're always so real. And, uh, and you've got a lot of really, uh, really spot on, but like very thoughtful things to say. I love your contributions to our industry. And um, I'm really excited for our community to just like, keep up with you. So um, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you for having me. And I just want to say to all the like, managers and agency people and anyone that works on the business side, like, the influencers get kind of like the flashy fun parts of this job. And, but, but truly like this industry wouldn't work without your help and your support. And you um, also putting kind of like your, your guts and your soul into like the less glamorous sides of what we do. And so I just want to say thank you for, to you for asking such great questions and opening up such a great conversation, but, but also just thank you to the people that, do the kind of like inner workings of our industry because truly like you've been able to make us thrive and I don't think you kind of get a thank you enough for kind of supporting creators like me and and allowing us to kind of be you know um be the be the messenger you know and and being behind the scenes is a harder job than it looks so thank you all right guys we will see you next Tuesday thanks for tuning in Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we got to have you back. Check out our website for more ways to get involved, including all the information you need about joining our collective. You can check out all the information at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, double I, dot com. And if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review, a rating. But the most important thing that we could ask you to do is to share this podcast. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next week. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m.